It's been a while since we've heard from our friends across the pond in the USA. However, fear not, we are about to share another episode of the Transatlantic Sessions on the Cashflow Show. In fact, our next guest is Janet Bartoli, founder, managing partner and CEO of the Bartoli Consulting Group. Janet and her team help small to mid-sized businesses increase brand awareness and sales through targeted strategic SEO program development with a focus on conversion rate optimization. If you want to know more about Janet and how she can help make your business stand out from the crowd, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Hello, Janet, and welcome to The Cashflow Show. Thank you so much, Clayton. Good to be here. Excellent. So tell me, where are you based now? You're in the US, of course. And what time is it there? Yes, I am. I am based in Virginia, about 45 minutes west of Washington, D.C., and it is 11.04 a.m. <laughs> you said that so professionally. It's like you were doing, it's like you were doing it, um, uh, you know, for, for TV or radio. You did that great. You've got another job there lined up for you. Um. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I've given the audience, our cash flow crew, uh, a brief outline of what you do, but tell us who you are and a little bit about your business. I am Janet Bortoli, as you said. I am uh, the founder of the Bortoli Consulting Group. Um, since 2004, though, um, is kind of where the history of my search professional career has gone back to. I led, built, and trained over 5,000 digital marketing teams, developers, corporate organizations on SEO specifically. Um, I've worked for Fiat, actually in Italy for nine months, um, Verizon, Bank of Montreal, and many others, just to name a few. And over the last few years, uh, we've been working with staffing and recruiting agencies to help establish really more high converting inbound marketing programs. And we've developed a, a proprietary four-part sprint-style framework where I had developed that from experience gained from working with some of those large, well-known brands. So is this your first business? Believe it or not, no. <laughs> my first business, really my first business was about probably when I was in middle school, when I actually established a, it was interesting because I felt that my mom was doing all the ironing for my dad for his shirts, business shirts before he would go to work. Okay. Uh, so I thought, wow, this is a lot of work. Um, I'm sure that everybody else in the neighborhood, their dads probably could use the same thing. But I found out it was a failed proposition because those moms were actually going to the dry cleaner. <laughs> so, uh, so didn't really understand my ideal client profile too well. But I have actually in the internet uh, business, I started back in 2004. And I was building websites for small local businesses in the New York metropolitan area. Then 
from there decided uh, I didn't understand the sales part of the whole business development aspect and thought getting more experience would probably make more sense. So there was a a respite in between then and and then when I restarted back in 2016. So your initial plans for world domination via ironing were scuppered by outsourcing. Exactly. That's right. That's when I learned what outsourcing was. Correct. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Because we often have entrepreneurs on who are sort of gifted in being able to see things very early on. And that then carries on and filters through to the rest of their life. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. In terms of you being involved in marketing on your website, it describes you as an OG marketer, the way that I read it. Was that marketing or marketing in terms of, especially in terms of the internet, it must have been a bit like the Wild West then. Absolutely. It's interesting because even my education in marketing back in, in high school, are you familiar with Ogilvy and Mather? Um, oh, oh, yes. Um, David Ogilvy is uh, one, of my, one of my personal heroes in terms of advertising and any kind of branding. He is the godfather of that. Exactly. So that was my initial foray into what is marketing. I had to, in, in that business class in high school, we got to go to Manhattan and go to Ogilvy & Mather uh, to their offices. And we had to produce a Nike ad, actually. This is around about the time when Michael Jordan was, you know, the Air Jordan and really just getting started. And so we had created an ad for for Nike. So that was my first initial interest in business and marketing. And so that's that's kind of where I, you know, when I really go back, but in terms of search engine optimization, starting in the early 2000s was absolutely the wild west. It was, I mean, if you think about at the time I'm building websites for businesses and they were telling me, that there was no reason to have a website because they had an ad in the yellow pages, which is hysterical because who even knows what a yellow pages is anymore? And for our younger listeners, the yellow pages was a big book with yellow pages where people would put adverts in and you would pay for these adverts. And then when you had a problem in life, very much in the same way that you search for Google um, or whatever search engine that you use, you would look at the yellow pages, you would find sort of door repairers or carpenters, and you would find the carpenter and then you'd have to look at the ad, see if it was what you wanted, and then you'd have to telephone that person and speak to them. Um, uh, which was, Imagine that. <laughs> imagine that, having <laughs> to speak to people and make conversation and get them to do your job. That's what the yellow pages was. And as I said, you were quite right. When the internet came along and, and websites, the, the big thing that you had when you were meeting people, if you had a website, you were somebody, you'd made it. Absolutely. And that, and I think that was their thinking was, I'm just a small business owner, you know, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, I couldn't possibly need a website for my business. Um, and, you know, it, it was interesting and just really trying to educate them on that. Once I started working with some well-established businesses that were in business for a longer time and started to really see that having a website makes sense. It's just, how can I appeal to more people in a larger geographic area? But they were using it as a brochure. And, and that's really when, once I 
started working with a few actual accounting firms. They wanted to understand how they could rank and search. So again, this was very new. And my first SEO job really project was with my accountant and helping him getting ranked for accounting in accountants in New Jersey. And that was he was ranked top of the page right at, at tax time. <laughs> <laughs> so he was Perfect. stood there counting the money as if he, he was a... All these new clients. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was the catalyst that made you actually form Bartoli Consulting? Bartoli Consulting Group, BCG. It's also Boston Consulting Group. <laughs> Not to take anything from them, but um, I, you know, thinking about the brand name itself, it's who I am, and it's uh, it's a family name that goes way back. Um, my dad and and many of his ancestors, the, a lot of them were entrepreneurs. So it's kind of also interesting to kind of leverage some of that. But I tried other names, just coming up with catchy names. I had a, a mentor who said to me, "What what are you trying to be? <laughs> you know, just be you, and just." You know, and I said to him, all right, how about Bartoli Consulting Group? And he said, perfect. That's who you are. That's what you, you are a consulting practice. It doesn't tie you into any specific industry. It's great. And it just fits. It, it feels like it fits really well, too. Good. So when did the light bulb go on? When was the point at which you said, hmm, I'm doing these websites. I'm being asked to do search engine optimization. And I'm getting good at this. When was it that you said to yourself, aha, this is time to form a business? When I was working at Accenture, um, I had been working for that management consulting firm. I was there for five years. In the first year, I had several people on my team who would say to me, because I had just have this passion for search engine optimization, and it kept coming through. And they would say, why aren't you doing this on your own? Like, in other words, why are you working for this large management consulting firm? And I was wound up being one of the only SEO professionals in Accenture. And there was only about three or four of us globally that would architect and develop the SEO programs for their clients. And I'm thinking, you know, it's interesting seeing I'm building these projects for this very large firm and these clients. And many times I would be the only one on the team. And then I was just thinking, well, I could do the same thing you know, for my own clients. Uh, it's It was really somewhere around 2014. I had started working at Accenture in 2012. So somewhere around 2013, 14 was when I thought I need to, I need to start doing this. And, and I had it on, as a side project. You've decided that you're going to initially a side product with BCG. But what I'm intrigued about is SEO is something that's been around for what seems a long time in tech terms. It's, you know, it's a lifetime in tech terms. But a lot of people still don't know what it is, what it means, and what it does. Can you give our listeners and the Cashflow crew a, a potted history, if you like, of what SEO is practically, what it's supposed to do, and what it shouldn't do? Well, that's a good question. So in the very early days, late late 90s, early 2000s, search engine optimization was not anything anyone really knew or was being abused in that you would, uh, very early days, you would put keywords on a page and it would be the same color as the background. So if I'm trying to rank for 
sports cars, I'm going to put that all over in, let's say, white text on a white background and Google will start pick that up. That's when the keywords meta tag was influential. Fast forward to sort of the mid 2000s when people had MDOT websites because the influence of mobile optimization came on the scene. Voice search was starting. And then it was, it, and also, of course, YouTube and really just the influence of leveraging YouTube as a search and as a second most used search engine. Keywords still kind of important, but now Google has decided we don't look at the keywords meta tag any longer. We're looking at the search intent. And so it fast forward, you know, 10 or so years to 2013 and beyond when Google's Google's algorithm has changed so, so much so that it you can't even keep up. Now, here we are in 2023, and Google has has launched search generative experience, SGE, um, leveraging AI, which it's been doing for a number of years. But what it's looking at is your intent. So it's still so beneficial for businesses because rather than having their website as a brochure, it should be a lead generator. And so having you the authority that having creating topical authority type of content in your own words is really what's going to prove to be the winner ultimately. And anybody doing just you know, half-baked content that is not really doing anything or teaching anyone anything about how you might be able to help them as a business or as a service or what what product that you might have is really ultimately what's going to win out. There are same tried and true aspects of SEO, title tag, meta description, uh, real good content, internal linking that will always, that have been for all of these years. Now it's just more important to keep the basics in mind but leveraging your authority as a subject matter expert. Do you think that a lot of businesses don't actually realize that when they're asked to produce content, instead of necessarily producing fluff, if I want to know how to light my barbecue, which which is what I had to do the other day, I want the least path of resistance. And it's usually a guy in the States who who's lighting a barbecue, who's going to give me the answer and who's going to tell me what I need. Do you think that most businesses don't seem to understand that what they need to do is the answer that's inside the searcher's head needs to be translated into the content that they're providing? Yes, 100%. Many still don't. I, I still have conversations with business owners who are under 40 who don't know what SEO is. They've never, they either never heard of it or they don't understand what it actually is or that it stands for search engine optimization. Or more importantly, they look at it like they still have this, this idea that it is this black hat technique of trying to trick the search engines. And actually I was listening to, I think it was uh, about a year ago on the BBC, um, there was a, an interview and they were talking about sales and marketing and the interviewer said, but but not SEO because that's trickery. And and I'm thinking like, are you kidding me? Like, how do we still think this is trickery? Now, yes, there are some, you know, hackers who who pretend to be an actual SEO professional who tend pretend to know what it actually, how it should be constructed. 
that's why I am still doing what I'm doing because it is still a huge lead generator and, and revenue generator, more importantly. I'm trying to give it the seriousness that it deserves, that I, all those corporate uh, different organizations I've worked with have gotten it. I'm trying to help the smaller business owner understand how this can help them as well and help them against larger competition. We discussed earlier about the concept of trickery. And I'm actually quite surprised when you say that people under 40 don't know what SEO is. I'm actually quite shocked by that because the access to the internet for people under 40 has been effectively, they've grown up with it. Do people want the idea of a quick fix? And that's why they believe that trickery exists in SEO. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that's why they don't have the patience that good organic search takes. And they don't have the patience or if they understand that they they heard that that SEO, that this thing works, then they'll go and hire out somebody with much less experience, really doesn't know, or who thinks that Google still cares about the meta keyword. And so that's where they get burned. But yes, there are many under, as I said, many under 40 who are in business and they have grown up with the internet. It was never taught to them that there are layers of algorithm and even the differences between paid and organic. Because I'll ask many of them, 18-year-olds, 28-year-olds, I'll show them a search landscape of paid and organic and I'll tell them, when, you cl- when you're searching for something, what are you clicking on? Many of them will tell me, well, I skip over anything with sponsored because they think that that's tricking them into you know, like a clickbaity kind of thing. Yeah. So then they'll hit the organic, but they won't understand how those results are appearing there. So it's not clear to them necessarily that, uh, you know, on the technical or, or site side kinds of things from an activity perspective, how to optimize the website and all the content in their site. But as I explained to them, there are algorithms, organic algorithms in every platform, whether it's Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, it's not exclusive to just google.com or google.co.uk or Bing, if there's anybody that still uses Bing, but all of these have their own algorithms. And there's ways that organic surfaces up easier in some platforms than others. Do you think that when, especially I assume that most people feel that they can go viral in an instant, that they then come back to you and say, Janet, I can go viral tomorrow by doing a silly dance. But, you know, why can't you make it the same thing happen for me in SEO? Well, I'll, I'll ask them, first of all, what are their goals and objectives? If it's virality, you know, or to be the cool TikTok dancer. I mean, anybody that's been on TikTok for more than 20 minutes, you could see a 90-year-old grandmother, you know, who's, you know, doing her Italian recipes. She'll go viral, you know. Yeah. So, but why? She's not necessarily researching, oh, what, what are the hot songs this week? Which should I be, you know? So <laughs> it's it's really at the basis of it, understanding who your audience is, what is it that you're trying to message, what is the best platform to put this on, and where do I feel most comfortable? There are people that absolutely hate video. They do not want to be on a video for any reason. There are many that just, I've had clients that really love writing. So blogging, which I tell them, believe it or not, is still a thing. People love reading content. 
and long form content. So I'll basically understand who is your audience and what kind of content will they, would they like to consume and then kind of figure out what is the best way to get that content out. It could be a blog post. We could add in a YouTube video, which is a nice way to cross platform between Google's YouTube and its search engine. But you know what? If social media, which is also inbound, you know, if we want to leverage that, but there's 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 different aspects like TikTok video. I can't sell you on a ten thousand dollar service from a from a fifteen second video. No, I can get you interested, warmed up to my business or my service offering, but I can't necessarily you know close you you know at that point. So it's just a different platform, different types of content, really. And you also mentioned about business owners actually being involved in presenting their own content. Do you feel now that there is an added pressure, especially in order to drive SEO, to drive traffic for, for business owners to put themselves out there in what sometimes can be an uncomfortable position? Yeah, I, I do. But I also see it as their advantage. Thinking back 20 years ago or more to get a business started, they needed to know. I mean, this is even before MySpace. So there really was no social media, right? If you had to build a website, you had to, you know, it was some convoluted HTML kind of structure that you had to like band-aid together somehow. Um, forget going out to like Fiverr or any of the Upwork or anything. <laughs> you basically were looking for your like nephew or your cousin to help you out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was always right. a family yeah. member that was roped exactly. In. And so putting your own content out. And I think it's such a great time now as a business owner, because I mean, how many, how many of these stories do you hear about? I got started two years ago and I started here, maybe on YouTube. And then I sold a course and now I've, you know, made $2 billion, and, you know, and it's just like, I'm not even surprised anymore because when you compare it to, you know, the, the olden days, it's like, it is so much easier now. There's just so much more available. And and because Google is looking at you as the authority, as a subject matter expert, it's even better than to pass it off to your cousin or whomever who doesn't know that that domain as well as you do. We have to talk about in this current environment, chat GPT. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it's so funny because now we're only talking, what, six months or so in, seven months? Initially, when it came out, I think I, like many of my peers, got an immediate sort of panic, like, oh, my God, is this like the end of my my career as we know it? But if you think about it, the fax machine wasn't the end of sending a, a piece of a mail in the postal service. I mean, it, and you can use so many different examples. This is only going to help again, further assist ChatGPT and Google's idea of ChatGPT, which is bard.google.com. You know, these are good for, you know, help me start an idea, whether it is a blog post or I need, I need some, some content ideas for LinkedIn or whatever it is. It's great for that. So it's kind of like your assistant or your, your intern who does not interface with your client but it's, it's helping you out in that way. And I think if we, the more of us can look at it in that way and not so much 
as a, as a fear, kind of a, this is going to steal my job kind of a thing. I think it'll work out. It'll be great. The only part, if I have to be a little concerned with is how it can do from, from a negative perspective. I know Musk has talked about it. So many others at his level and in politics are talking about how he could really become more of a, a detriment, especially for speaking from an, as an American. We need to get our laws up to speed and get more understanding of, of policy around AI and what we should be doing and thinking and considering, especially as business owners that want to benefit, but not also get caught up and and get, you know, have, have any major issues as a result of that. It's interesting because ChatGPT throws up a lot of things. I agree with you 100%. It's a great assistant. It's that person that's technically sitting at the back of the room and go, hey, maybe you could do it like this. And if you treat it with that level or that or give it that weight, I think it works incredibly well. If you want to throw ideas around and throw it in and see what it comes up to, because a lot of the time it's, it's accurate as much as the information that you give it. <laughs> it's like anything. If I give a, a friend of mine information in order to draw a poster, if I say draw a poster, they'll draw whatever they feel like drawing. If they say, I want you to draw uh, a poster in a 1920s art deco style with such and such a font and lettering, I'm going to get closer and nearer to my goal. So I do think it is helpful, but I think in terms of your dealing in SEO and there's a certain level of copywriting and blogging, we need to then start looking at where's the ownership? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where's the ownership? Who who owns this content? You know, if you put it in, do you own the content? Is it yours? Can you pass it off mm -hmm. as your role? Or is chat GPT making fools out of all yes. of us? And basically giving everybody the same content. Exactly. And that's entirely possible too. <laughs> and I think that's what we just need to understand <laughs> is where's what's its limitations? And it doesn't sound like there really aren't. You know, people and, and just hearing people's opinions so early on is also very interesting. Um, there are people that will try to steer you like this is doom and gloom. And then you, I am the solution. So you got to come to me. Yes. And then there are those that are, you know, just giving you what they know, what they've learned so far, which is great. It's a step by step. And that's what I do with my clients. I tell them, here's what we know at this point. I will not be able to predict or project two, three, 10 years out, what this is going to be like, but we know right now what it is. So let's kind of plan for now and not worry about, which is, you know, whether it's a, a Buddhist way of thinking or or just a good way for from a mindfulness perspective, just be here now anyway, uh, because that's all we can control. So let's just focus on what does work from a content perspective, uh, what is working now. Um, and if you do say to ChatGPT, hey, write a, a 5,000 word article on such and such a topic, and then you copy and paste that, put that into your blog, Google will not, not penalize you for it. But if you think about, is that really quality? If, if you've not gone through the human intervention of checking, fact checking to see, is this, and it's also, is it your voice? You know, correct. 
is this something that sounds like it would come from you? Um, would you, if a prospective client were to read that, would you feel good about them reading it and then wanting to contact you after? I think that's really what it has to boils down to. Going back to your work at BCG, the thing that's intriguing for me is I, I'd like to know how do you work as a partner with your clients' teams to develop the search strategies and finding gaps in the market that's really stopping them from getting to where they are? Because we all think as businesses, we know where we should be and what we really are. But when we drill down what it is, we find that people perceive us completely differently. How do you help people get in a position where they are the person that the searcher is well, looking for? Well, I always start at the top with the CEO or the C-level, whoever is in the most uh, senior level part of the organization, so that they are first and foremost embracing and understanding what search optimization is and how it's going to benefit the company. So I'm not talking to them about links or title tags. I'm talking to them about revenue because at the end of the day, as a business owner, all you care about is leads and sales. And that's what matters. And that's how I start talking about SEO at that level. Then the level below the actual team that needs to embrace and understand how they're going to be applying SEO. We'll talk about, again, still has to go back to goals and objectives. Most businesses have a quarterly or annual uh, goal that they have to meet. What is your sales goal? Who's responsible for it? And But ultimately, what is the website's job? That's what, you know, they, they pass it off as we have a sales team of 40 or we have, you know, these, this product team over here. But then I always ask them, well, what is your website? Well, what are the revenue goals for the website? And so once we understand you know, that there, that actually is important and necessary. Then we start looking at the website from a conversions perspective. Somebody lands on your website. Let's look at the analytics. Do you have conversion points all set up across? So I'm talking to them as another team member, but one with a different, different kind of a, a lens or a different view that, that helps them to understand how this all works together. You've had a good few years in business where you've had some very interesting clients. Can you think of any off the top of your head that you were dealing with and you thought, mm, I'm not so sure if, if this person actually gets what we do? And, but, and how did you convert them into thinking, do you know something? Janet's got the answer. Um, a number of different places. Uh, I will, uh, <laughs> I, I think. This it, it, indirectly, um, this one client, uh, way back when I was actually working at Accenture, um, the, the, the client was very frustrated. They didn't have it. It was just when I had started working there. Uh, they did not have any SEO on the team at the Accenture team. So their diamond client uh, was extremely frustrated with the lack of, of understanding of SEO what had happened was this website has went through a redesign. They didn't have any SEO applied. And so consequently they were losing traffic 40% month, month on month and they needed a solution. So coming in uh, out from the, from the cold to explain, here's how we're going to solve this. It was with a look of skepticism. Okay. You've got two weeks to figure it out. Okay. Because I've heard all kinds of stuff from this team. 
And if this doesn't work, we're ending this contract. So now I'm right. It was, it was like, wow. Okay. Uh, and then I'm thinking, what the hell did this team at Accenture tell these people? And then they were very new. They didn't understand. And obviously that's why I was hired in. So it made perfect sense. But I took it as this is a fun challenge. I got two weeks to figure out what the problem is and then come up with a remediation plan, which I did uh, and wound up turning their traffic around 80 going up. We, we got from negative 40 percent to 40 percent and then increased it by an additional 40 percent. So we wound up flipping that, turning that around. And that client who was, I think she may have understood what SEO was, but she was maybe concerned with, with how the team was going about it. And then changing her, helping her see this does work. We just got to get the people who have some experience in place, identify the root cause, whatever the issue is, solve it, and then let's move on. And she wound up signing a five-year contract with them. And then she later told me that was because of you. And I was like, wow, that was uh, really nice. So it was a, it was a great story for, um, you know, having somebody who was a little bit not sure to completely all in. <laughs> Excellent. The cash flow show coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Well, Janet, after that glowing recommendation from that client, we're going to move swiftly on to another section here called 60 Second Shootout, where we take a list of approximately 30 this or that questions. And we then basically game show style get you to answer a yay or no. So the question might be night or morning and you would choose um, which one you would prefer. So if you're sitting comfortably, mm -hmm. fingers on the buzzers, well, there is no buzzer, but let's pretend <laughs> we can, we, we are going to, oh, let me get my, uh, my, my, my timer started here so we can, so I can actually monitor the 60 seconds, right? So let's get started now. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Netflix or Hulu? Hulu. Night or morning? Morning. Rich and famous or rich and unknown? Rich and unknown. <laughs> Passenger or driver? Uh, driver. Art museum or history museum? Art museum. Car or bike? Bike. Train or plane? Train. Owe money or owe a favor? Owe a favor. Be embarrassed or be afraid? Be embarrassed. Smartphone or tablet? Tablet. Wine or beer? Beer. Camping or glamping? Camping. Cooking or being cooked for? Being cooked for. A play or a stand-up show? A stand-up show. Roommates or live alone? Live alone. Attend a party or host a party? Host a party. Lose sleep or skip a meal? Skip a meal. <laughs> Hang out with kids or old folks? Kids. Red wine or white wine? Red wine, always. <laughs> Congratulations, you've come to the end of your 60-second shootout, and well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I bet you get a variety of answers with that. Yes, you do. <laughs> Excellent. Now, we're going to move on to the part of the show, which a lot of people love to tune into. And that is the what are you like, which is supposed to be said in a Cockney accent for um, our UK listeners. But this is where we ask you about your favorite book, your favorite film, your favorite movie. 
earn your favorite record and try and get a feel for you as a person. And if people are listening to this and they want to do business with you, they can build some synergy. Great. So we're going to start off with your favorite book. And you've chosen The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yes, I did. Excellent book. Um, I can tell you, I've read it probably four or five times. Okay. I, I heard Oprah Winfrey talk about it and I started reading it and thought it, it doesn't matter, especially in business, where you are in your life, it works. It's just like I was saying before, be here now. It is, it is the absolute putting yourself, it, it, it helps reduce the anxiety by you know, the power of now and understanding it. Any of his books, but that one in particular was great as I was transitioning away from Accenture to my own consulting practice. Brilliant. So now you've got three favorite business books, which is I'll read them out in order of appearance. The first one is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, and Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Folio. Give me your thoughts on those. Well, so the tools of Titan. So Tim Ferriss, of course, is ever he's he's one of the entrepreneurs, best friends, podcaster, uh, book you know author. Um, he's got a number of different books. That one in particular is a it's I forget six or seven hundred pages. It's huge, <laughs> but he's but if you go in there, you just open it up. It is an an interview style section uh who he speaks with a a business owner uh, someone who who can you can learn from them mm-hmm. um what specific tool or idea they might have profit first excellent business book as far as i'm concerned it is i would hand it out to any new entrepreneur because you will never forget how much you need to take out for taxes or for your own salary um it just helps compartmentalize that an accountant might perceive as simplistic. Uh, most of us who are not accountants, it is really very, very important to be able to segment those out. And Marie Forleo's book, Everything is Figureoutable, again, from a business standpoint, there is no crises you can find yourself in that you can't figure out. There is a solution, uh, whether it is a mentor, whether it is a book or a podcast or something can give you ideas to help you you get out of whatever that situation is. She has some really incredible stories in there about her own experiences. And so that I think is also important too, because in many of the podcasts and different business resources that we listen to, women seem to not come up a lot in terms of who's your favorite business person. It's, you know, Musk or um, Bill Gates, but it's, it's rarely a woman that comes up. And so that's why I also wanted to make sure that I I give Marie Forleo at least some space and and time for what she really shines in, which is she's done a lot for, for the business community. It's very interesting. I think men only really come up because a lot of them are very ego driven and they push themselves forward when probably sometimes maybe they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I, I I'm not drawn to people like that. I find those people to be quite pretend as human beings and um, I'm sure they're going to tell me otherwise but they don't inspire me to do business right and I think a lot of women don't get the opportunity to to because there is a guy who's usually much louder who's much boomier who's basically pushing his way to the front and even as a man I would never necessarily push him my way I'm the person that just goes in quietly and leaves quietly 
and takes everything with me as I leave. But um, and that's more my style. But it's good that you actually bring her up. We have a lot of women on the Cash Flow Show, which is we're very fortunate in that we're able to get lots of ladies who come on as guests and share their work and obviously share their influences as well. So now moving on to your um, favourite music, you've got a couple of great things here. You've got the British band Coldplay with Viva La Vida. Mm -hmm. Very, very catchy song. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and you've also got the uh, Kings of Athens, Georgia, R.E.M. Mm -hmm. with um, uh, their Green album and the single Orange Crush. Yeah. Why are those important for you? I mean, if you just listen to them, you can't help but move or feel good. And then it's just, you know, and I could... You know, when you when you have that question, I could think of at least half a dozen or more other songs. I lo also love Motown. I mean, there's certain segments of time when you think about music where it's like, that was really good. Yeah. It's just same thing, like anything, you know, from either of those two bands that I mentioned, but also, as I said, Motown, yeah. just you have to move <laughs> and you have to feel good. You just can't help it. <laughs> and that's what it should do. That's how it should make you feel. You know that an artist has done their job because that's what artists want. They want you to feel good. They want you to move. They want you to feel inspired. Mm -hmm. So those are great choices. So now you've got three great films of broad stature. You've got Bridesmaids, which is has Anna Mumolo, and Kristen Wiig starring there. You've got Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross with mm -hmm. Jack Lemmon and Kevin Spacey. And you've got Erin Brockovich with Julia Roberts. What are your thoughts on those? Erin Brockovich, again, very interesting. I mean, this is this is a real life person. She's actually to this day still doing a, a quite bit of work, but brilliant. And what I love about that, that movie in particular is this down on her luck, single mom, you just see this this woman as what can she possibly do? And she starts at this law firm and winds up to being this right, not even, you know, never goes to law school, doesn't become a partner at some major prestigious law firm. But but her work is just so incredibly important. And it was just just that, you know, having Julia Roberts basically taking over um, of Aaron Bronkovich's character. It just was really great. And the acting was really great, of course. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I uh, started in sales prior to working in, in SEO. And a sales manager was like, hey, everybody, you got to watch this movie. And at, they actually, that film lost money, believe it or not. But you know, the the coffee is for closers. The, the premise of what it's about is just... You can see how each of the characters tries to figure themselves out and their career. It's just like this is their their lifeblood. You know, they've got to they've got to make their sale and their quota. Uh, it's uh, yeah. And then, you know, in terms of bridesmaids, I mean, that's just hysterical. <laughs> you can pull out any like one minute clip and it's just hysterical. I mean, that. That film is is really funny. <laughs> got to have a comedy in there. <laughs> yeah, indeed, you do. Indeed, you do. So we're getting towards the end of our time here on the Cash Flow Show podcast. And you spent a good amount of time building your business in SEO and you had that specialism in recruitment. Now, recruitment in, in the UK is a pretty cutthroat business. <laughs> and I'm sure it must be the same way in the US. So how does it 
feel dealing with people who probably have some really high expectations and demands? Well, you know, I, I, I work with them because I don't come at them as have ever being a recruiter or being anyone on the staffing side of things. I basically tell them, look, I was a job seeker. I was a candidate numerous times. And I feel as though things that you're doing from a, from a sales outbound perspective seems very archaic in some regards with the cold calling and the, and, and the way that they've been doing things that are maybe 20 years ago kind of, of way of thinking without leveraging automation or digital marketing activities to have a well-balanced inbound marketing to balance out their outbound. So I'll tell them, look, I kind of feel like I've done, I've worked in just about every industry there is, um, telecommunications, automotive, all kinds from a search standpoint. I want to be able, be able to help, you know, the staffing and recruiting industry. And how do you get, you know, ultimately you're helping biz companies find the right teams and candidates. And you're helping these candidates who are really trying to find their place, just as I was able, fortunate in, in doing you know, having a, it was a, it was a executive headhunter who found me and landed uh, so I could land in Accenture. Previous to that was a different staffing agency that helped me get into LexisNexis. So I just feel like this is a great opportunity to help them. They've helped me and I want to, if I, if I can help them find somebody who was like me, wanted to get a real good uh, career uh, path with a great company, then that's, uh, that's, that's, I've served my purpose then. <laughs> Brilliant. So what are the plans for Bartoli Consulting Group coming up for the next 12 months, the ones that you can talk about? Uh, well, we're, I'm launching a podcast called The Candidate Pipeline. Um, so I'm going to be talking a lot about inbound marketing, but I'm not going to be talking about it in such a dry kind of a way that I would maybe with a, a digital marketing peer but in a way for these business owners to help them understand how we can capture attention and when it when attention comes at such a premium um, and how do we do that in an effective way. Um, so the, uh, that I'm also starting to launch regular live events where I'm, I'm speaking to things like how is, uh, you know, AI and, and search generative AI in Google, how is that going to impact your business? And so it will also be... Um, Actually, I've got a live event coming up in a week, but I'm going to be launching that every four weeks or so. Just it'll be new material and really helping in a, in a live workshop kind of a session. Um, so I, I, those are at least the, the things that I'm, I'm going to be starting with uh, as I expand and, and try to cover into more staffing territory. How can people get hold of you? They've heard you on this podcast. They've listened to your stories. They've got an idea of what SEO is and what it can and can't do. How can they get hold of you in order to work with you and hopefully grow their businesses? I am all over LinkedIn. So you can find me in LinkedIn. Um, I also have a newsletter, The Candidate Pipeline, um, and I will be talking about the podcast there. Um, so definitely connect with me. And if, you, if you're interested in joining the, the live event, you can go to sprintgrowthmarketing.com forward slash live. You can get registered. It is geared to the staffing and recruiting industry, but these ideas are all applicable to most other businesses. So if you want to come in and learn something, it's free registration. Jump right in and I, I will see you there. If you happen to miss 
depending on when this podcast goes live, uh, you can get on the wait list and then you will be automatically uh, added into to the, uh, to the next live event. Right. So if they're going to find you on LinkedIn, is it just Janet Bartoli? Yes, exactly. And, and Bartoli is spelled B-A-R-T-O-L-I. Yes, that's correct. So Janet Bartoli, founder, managing partner and CEO of the Bartoli Consulting Group. Thank you for joining us on the Cashflow Show. Thanks so much, Clayton. It's been an absolute pleasure. Stop. Just before you go, here's another podcast you may enjoy listening to. Fire Breathing Kittens is an actual play, a one-shot podcast that plays various tabletop role-playing games with a season-long plot. Because there's a beginning and an end to each week's story, you can start at any episode. Every week has a different combination of four from the same rotating cast group of people. Join Fire Breathing Kittens as they solve detective mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing, all one word, and kittens as in cute and cuddly. Let them know that we sent you. We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for Real People, Real Business, Real Talk.